Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, kids. Uh, happy start of the 23-24 NHL season, if you uh, choose to celebrate. Um, I am me. Uh, you are you. It's good to have you back. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's always a pleasure to do this. Um, this marks 20 NHL seasons around the Calgary Flames. Um, let's go with 15 of them covering day in, day out, either radio or television. Uh, five of them, four and a half, five of them working for the uh, parent company uh, in and around the team. And then this half last year and this year doing whatever this is. I, I don't, all due respect to the Wes Gilbertsons and Salims and, and uh, Jay, uh, McKen uh, McKenzie's and, and uh, Austin's and like you say, the Gilbertsons and the Haineses of the world that are down there every day, the Francis's that are down there every day, they're covering it. I, I'm just like you. I'm making odd, cryptic, conversational messages about their play. And every once in a while, we'll talk to somebody. So this is a bit different for me, but 20, there's 20. Um, believe it or not, this spring, and I, I sent this text out or tweet out, whatever, uh, two weeks ago. Um, this spring will be 20 years since the origin of the Red Mile, the run, um, all the way to Game 7. Uh, Jerome McGinley, Mika Kippersoff, all of that, the, the Eliminator, Steve Monador, Double Doors, Commodore, uh, Rhett Warner, all of that, um, 20 years. And uh, it just seems like yesterday. Honest to God, it seems like yesterday. Mike Keenan as the head coach of the Calgary Flames, Million miles ago. Jim Playfair, head coach of the Calgary Flames, million miles ago. Brent Sutter, head coach with Daryl as the general manager, million miles ago. Jay Feaster and Bob Hartley, millions of miles ago. But for whatever reason, that run in 2004 feels like yesterday. Um, I miss Joe Sports. He's a huge part of that for us and um, some of the craziness that we got up to. But yeah, so it's 20 years. It's cool. Um, we are an inclusive pro, uh, podcast. Everybody's welcome here. We are allies. Oh, we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, broadcasting live from Treaty 6 territory today. Um, as I uh, continue my little fall adventure, 
Um, but anyway, I, it's exciting. I, I, I don't know if you jumped on and, and watched any of uh, Connor Bedard's first game uh, in the NHL last night. I The hype is a little I, – I just don't enjoy the hype anymore. Um, excited for the young man, excited for Chicago. Uh, I think it's amazing. I think he'll do well, all of those sort of things. But I don't know about the, you know, ESPN gets them in the first period. Sportsnet gets them in the second period. Why Why is nobody holding Sportsnet's fire to the feet to the fire about having this just constantly cheaping out and using ESPN's feeds and the American feeds and not creating their own content? Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I will say this. Mark Lazarus with The Athletic had a great quote, and I'm sure everybody else had it too, but I, I saw it on Mark Lazarus from Connor Bedard, which was, you dream your whole life about playing your first NHL game. And now it's over. It's kind of sad. And I'm like, that is very cool for an 18 year old. I like that. I like that. It's nice. He's, you know, he's got his head screwed on straight. Um, later on in the program, courtesy of our friends at uh, Ski Seller Snowboard, uh, we will be joined by arguably, in my mind, one of the best coaches in all of hockey. Carla McLeod will join us as she is cobbling together a team, a franchise in Ottawa. They have players, um, haven't seen a schedule, haven't seen colors, haven't seen a name, uh, but they got a coach. And Carla will join us. We got some other hockey things that we'll debate and, and talk about with Carla, and some Olympic things actually to talk about with Carla. Uh, but it is the start of a brand new Calgary Flames season. Um, and it's Winnipeg tonight at home. Uh, Winnipeg kind of shocking the world a little bit uh, with the uh, twin contract extensions for Shifley and Hellebuck. Um, uh, it's good, like really good. Beginning to get nervous about Winnipeg last year, about the marketplace, about everything that was going on there. Uh, this is good. And and Hellebuck, Vesna Trophy caliber goaltender that, I'm sorry, can can drag this team on his back to places. Um, not unlike Amika Kippersoff, um, you know, even as bad as it is in front of him, he makes up for a lot. Shifley, I, I just, you know, I think he's the high, kind of hockey player we all want, the kind of hockey player every team needs. And so this is a good signing. So Winnipeg in tonight uh, against the local hockey heroes. Uh, this is when everybody gets on their high horse and, you know, points in their articles or yells and screams on the radio shows and, this is, here are my bold predictions. Here is my lock of the year and all that stuff. We have chosen to take a different tact. Uh, by the way, feel free to drop a question or a comment in the uh, chat. Uh, Jack will uh, go through those and, and uh, get to some of them later in the show. Looking forward to that. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people do have expectations. And we used to do that on the, on the old show. We called the great expectation show that, that, that kind of brief couple of hours before puck drops and, and, and the ideas are formulated and the, and the, you know, the, the rubber hits the road, you, you sit here and the what ifs are, are spectacular. What if this happens? What if this happens? You know, if you're a positive person, the glass is half full. If you're a negative person, it's half empty. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sure this is a great expectation show, but it is an opportunity to talk about some things that when I bump into people and they go, what do you think about the flames or what do you think about this season? So, and, and it's a little not, and I love what Jack's done here. I love this graphic. Uh, it's a little uh, wink, nudge, uh, nod 
to uh, Peter King, a, a Monday morning quarterback, formerly of Sports Illustrated and formerly of way back in the day, I believe USA Today is where this came up, which is he used to write the column, 10 Things I Think I Think I Think. And I love that. I've always loved that because these are the things that I think I think. There's Pete. I love that. <clears throat> anyway, that's attribution. For, for kids who don't know, that's attribution. I did not come up with the 10 things I think I think. He did. But here are 10 things that I think I think. And then Jack is going to burst our bubble with a little math later on. Um, let's go back to that game in Vancouver on Friday, the 3-1 loss, the final preseason game. Interesting that the Canucks bookended the Flames preseason. And the first game was 10-0. And Matt Coronado had a hat trick. And everything was coming up roses. Yeah, it's the preseason butt. Yeah, it's the preseason butt. Yeah, it's the preseason butt. And we said in the preseason, you aren't held accountable. You don't get credit for your wins. You're held accountable to your losses. The last game of the uh, of the of the preseason, a 3-1 loss in Vancouver. Sorry. I saw so much of that garbage last year. That's the flames I saw last year. Goal on the first shot, get close, yeah, and then just, it was 3-1 after two. It finishes up 3-1 on the road. I gather it's the preseason. I understand it's the preseason. I accept that it's the preseason. But that better be the last time we see that result effort malaise garbage that we saw on Friday because it looked too much like last year. There have been too many positives. There have been too many things said about um, moving on. That can't happen. Here's the other thing I think, I think, I think. Hannafin and Anderson need to be the leaders on this blue line. They need to blue, They need to take a step. Hannafin, it's funny. Um, every time that the great Elliot Friedman speaks, the world listens, as they should. And, you know, wrote that the Flames are engaging Hannafin and Tenev in talks. And, you know, that got the whole rebuild crowd upset. Oh, we're doing the same thing. We're getting old. No, they're having talks. I don't think Hannafin's going to be here next year. But I think for this team to have success this year, he's got to play like it's contract year. I think he's got to be a hole that you have to fill in the offseason. I think for this team to take that step back into the playoffs, Hannafin needs to take another step. He's a good NHL defenseman, not necessarily a great one, has moments. And then Anderson, I think Anderson's the Mark Giordano of this generation. I think he's he's going to eventually work his way into Norris Trophy conversations. I think he's eventually going to work his way into um, – the, the notebooks and the notepads and the chirons and the graphics of other teams. I don't think he's a hidden gem. I don't think he's a well-kept secret or anything like that, but I really believe in Rasmus Anderson. I really do. And last year he got hit by a car and still was one of the best defensemen. I think that needs to be one of the things that, um, we we notice in this season. All right. 10 things I think I think. Huberdo has got to earn the contract. Sorry. He's, he just does. He, he does. Last year wasn't good enough. Uh, the two years ago was good enough. Uh, showed what he could be. Uh, um, 
I am not critical of the Calgary Flames and how they presented Jonathan Huberdeau this summer. I am a big Brendan Parker fan. I think Peter Stewart and Mitch Naibo, Carlo Petrini, all of those, Ed uh, Stumpy, all those guys down in, that do all the video work, Tori, that do all the stories, to do all of that stuff. They did a remarkable job this summer of rejuvenating his image. He's engaged. He wants to be here. He wants to be a leader. Cool, excellent, fine, fantastic, cool, great. Mm-hmm. Show it. Has to earn that contract. Does not need to give me 116 points. Needs to give me a point a game. More importantly, that needs to make those around him better. We'll get to that in a second. Okay? Ten things I think I think for the Calgary Flames this year. Jack, can I get this graph? I'd like to share this on social later. But, but anyway, I love this graphic. Yeah, we'll get it to you, Rob. You're the best. Okay, you got to find ways to make nights difficult for the other team. Duh. No, 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 no. You have to find ways to make nights difficult for other teams. We're whatever, 14 minutes into the show, and we haven't talked about A.J. Greer being claimed on, on waivers. I get it. Understand it. But Rob, they were going to give the young guy, the young guys, Cole Schwint will get his opportunity. Don't worry. You have to play with some snot. You have to play with some saliva. You have to play with some ill intent. You have to. Now, I am not saying headhunting. I am not saying going and challenging the entire bench to fight. I am not saying I, I, I'm, I mentioned 20 years, like, I've seen a lot and I've done a lot. I used to be, I was the only designated fight caller in National Hockey League history. There you go, on the radio. Peter Marr would tap me for fights and I'd call him. Designated fight. I don't believe in that stuff anymore. But that still doesn't mean you can't make it tough to play against you. In your building, on the road, and particularly when you're losing. But Rob, why are you talking about losing? Because... You need to go into the night with some passion, some spittle, some blood, some cursing, some snot. This franchise, in 20 years, but probably in 50 years, when it's not successful, goes quietly into the night. Uh-oh, down 3-1 in Nashville in the second period. Eh, well, there's always tomorrow. No. A.J. Greer... Dewar, Kadri, Tanev, Dubey, Mangiapane, Huberdo. I don't care. But if this team is going to be successful, it needs to make it difficult to be in the building with them. Play with snot. Play with spit. <sighs> Ten things I think I think. Coronado will be in the Calder conversation question mark. Matt Coronado, right now, today, has as good a release and as good a shot as nine, at, at, at better than 98%, 99% of his peers in this league. Shot and release. Right winger, shoots right, really like him. Bedard is going to win the, the the Calder. If he doesn't win the Calder, 
Cooley's going to win the Calder. If Cooley doesn't win the Calder, somebody else is. I am saying Matt Coronado needs to be a thinking man's ballot, on the thinking man's ballot. Matt Coronado deserves to be looked at for the Calder. If he is, if he's bumping up against 20 or 30, big numbers. He may be in maybe we are, he may be a Wrangler by November. I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. But if this team is going to take a step, if this team is going to be better, Matt Coronado needs to find his way into that conversation. Not win it, not be the favorite, but be in the conversation. All right. Ten things I think I think. All right. Markstrom needs to find his groove early. Wow. Did you come up with that on your own? Yes, I did. Um, I didn't like the first goal in Vancouver. I liked the response, though. Markstrom was the best player on the ice. That game should have ended 6-7-1 Vancouver. Markstrom was the best player on the ice. Markstrom, two years ago, led the National Hockey League in shutouts. And a bulk of those came early. And a bulk of those came early. Vesna Trophy candidate. Now, I know what happened in the series against Edmonton. You can sit down with me and we can have a conversation about um, whether or not he's still feeling the effects of that or if that's become a mental block, perhaps. But I need Markstrom to find a groove early and I need to see shutouts. I don't need 15 shutouts in the first 16 games. I'm talking about two or three shutouts in the first 20 games. Show me that the defense can play in front of you, but show me you have the mental fortitude and wherewithal to go out and find a way to blank other teams. He had one last year and it came at the tail end of the year. Not good enough. Bellwether for Markstrom shutouts. Okay. Having said that, I don't know if you caught this. There's a little program on the nation uh, on the flames nation called barn burner. You should check it out. Those kids are trying really hard. I think they've got a future yesterday. They had a very special guest on They had the general manager of the Calgary flames, Craig Conroy and boomer asked him straight up. And, and I think this is a good time to talk about, okay. We spent all the time talking about Wolf, Ladar, Markstrom. What is the plan for the Flames and their goaltending this season? Wolf, what's that conversation with him? Yeah. I mean, you could tell he was disappointed, which he should be. You know what? Sure. He's done everything he can. The one thing I said, I still don't want you not to play games. As young as you are, we need you to play as much as you can. And he loves playing games. He's like, you're right. I've only backed up my first year in Everett. And other than that, I've played a ton of games. Yeah. So it's, I would rather play games, but to have three goalies, we did it one time and I just didn't, you know, it didn't flow for me and it didn't, didn't make sense. And I think just, especially with having uh, the team here in Calgary, it just, he, he's done a great job and everybody wants to see him the whole city. I mean, yeah. probably when I walk around the city, that's the, what are you doing with Wolf? Yeah. Uh, I totally get it, but I also need to make sure kind of he continues to play and he's going to be here. I mean, he's put himself in a great spot, but we also feel very comfortable with the other, with the other two goalies. So, you know, it's a, it's a battle and, you know, I have to do what's right, I think for the team. And right now it's, it's to, to go in this direction. I have to do what's right for the team. So, and again, I, if I'm Wolf, I don't want to be in, I don't want to, I don't want to be in Calgary. Yeah, I want to be in Calgary. I just, I'm in the wrong dressing room. I don't want to be with the Wranglers. I want to be with the Flames. That's fine. When nobody wants you to be, golly, this is awesome. But if you're mad about it, play like you're mad about it. Take it out on the opposition. Continue to make things. He just didn't make things difficult on Dan Vladar. 
He just didn't make things difficult on Ryan Husk and the coaching staff. He just didn't make things difficult on Craig Conroy. He was fine. I think he can play. But he didn't kick the door in. All right, 10 things I think I think. Ryan Huska's smile can't go away. Ryan Huska has been the anti-Daryl Sutter. Ryan Huska has held these press conferences. He's given you clips. He's, he's answered questions with a smile on his face, with an enthusiasm. You learn something. You enjoy something. You feel like you're talking to a friend. Fantastic. If I may quote the great Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Ryan Huska needs to be the same guy when they lose four in a row, when they win five in a row. The ups and downs of an NHL season, the grind can get to you. We have seen it do it to coaches. We've seen it happen to players. Ryan Huska is a breath of fresh air. He really is. And you talk to people on the inside in hockey that are not related to the Calgary Flames that are outside here. He is a popular coach. People like Ryan Huska. People think highly of Ryan Huska. I'm in that category. But now the bullets are flying and now the points matter. <sighs> Don't lose the smile. Be, be yourself. Bring that enthusiasm because I think the challenge with this club in the last couple of seasons is when it got dark, it got real dark. Having said that, this is not about allowing, um, you know, the, the monkeys to run the circus or whatever your analogy is. This is not about, you know, free for all or that there needs to be structure. There needs to be discipline. There needs to be accountability and all those sort of things, but you can do it with a smile on your face. Um, 10 things I think, I think, I think. Craig Conroy will put his stamp on this team. He will put his stamp on this team. There will be a decision. There will be a trade. There will be a player acquisition or maybe removal off the roster that will put his stamp on this team. Not for the sake of doing it. I'm not suggesting it's a trade for the sake of a trade. I'm not suggesting he's going to go out and, and fire, do anything like that just to say, hey, look, it's my team but he will. And, and I think in, in many ways, I mean, Brian Burke said it best. There's never been a more popular general manager upon hiring than Craig Conroy in the history of hockey. People love Craig. He's relatable. He's your guy. He's our guy. He's the guy. He's a former captain. He's everything. He wants to be here. He loves Calgary. He loves the Flames. He could have gone elsewhere. He, he, he's a you know an American who loves Canada. All of the things that make him so endearing. He will put his mark on this team. Ten things I think I think. Beat Edmonton. But Rob, they're in the division. Of course, no, 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 no. Calgary Flames have one Stanley Cup. That's one more than... Um, the uh, Vancouver Canucks and a couple less than uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and yada, yada, yada. We can all line it up. We all know. Um, the Flames probably should have two Stanley Cups, but here we are with one. The reason they were two Stanley Cup finals in 86 and 89, the real reason, Edmonton. They were a team built to compete against Edmonton. They were a team built to beat Edmonton. They were a team to, that would... I mentioned snot before. They would go in there. Yes, Dave Brown was a monster. 
Dave Semenko was a monster. But Tim Hunter was no shrinking violet. And uh, again, you know, Willie Platt, that, that, there, there's all kinds of names in that, in that rivalry. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl could be one and two easily. Maybe they're one and two A, I don't know. McDavid's the best and Dreis. And I do want to apologize. I said something in a conversation last week with um, uh, with Eric DeHatchek, and he called me on it. And he's absolutely right. Like, I've lumped Dreisaitl into that generational player category. He was not. He started the American Hockey League. He had to fight his way. Not that he was never, you know, he was always going to be an NHLer, but he played the American Hockey League. It's not Connor. He was not Connor Bedard. He was not the first overall pick that that immediately started in the league. So uh, I do need to be a little careful about how I use that word generational player. But I think I think Dreisaitl might be the best non-generational player in history. How about that? Let's go with that. It needs to piss off the Calgary dressing room. Every time somebody fawns over this team on television, they need to be going to Best Buy to replace TVs on a weekly basis because it was on TSN and they were talking about how great Skinner and Nurse and Bloomberg or whoever, Broberg or whatever, Bouchard, and somebody put their stick through it or somebody fired a skate through it. This organization needs to hate Edmonton. This fan base will be right there with them. They need to beat them. They need, they're the team when you go back to find a way to make nights difficult, find a way to make Edmonton's life difficult. And I'm not, this is not hacking at the knees of, of Connor McDavid. This is, I, the, the old, you know, we put a bounty out on, you know, head punk and chief, whatever, you know, McCrack. No, this is not that. It's not Slapshot. But whatever this incarnation of the National Hockey League is, they need to be fueled by a white hot hatred of anything in the provincial capital. And that needs to drive them. Ten things I think I think. Guess how many there are up there, Jack? How many did we put? There is only nine, Rob. Me. I'm, there's only nine up there. There's only nine. But if you got so fired up that you had to count the points and go, well, this doesn't make any sense. You said 10, but you only have nine. That's the point. That's the beauty of this. There are only nine things that I really think I think. But the title says 10. If you know, you know. <sighs> Carlin McLeod coming up in a couple of minutes. Uh, let's drop hockey for a second. Just a second. I do want to go back uh, before Carla comes on. What an abject disaster, tire fire, embarrassment the end of the Blue Jays season was the two game sweep to Minnesota. But if you thought that was bad, Ross Atkins said, hold my beer. Let me do a press conference on a long weekend on a Saturday. And I'm going to fricking throw the manager under the bus. What a gutless cowardice, complete lack of leadership. 
two things that come out of this. One, I mentioned 20 years ago, I mentioned Joe Sports, and I mentioned, um, you know, uh, the run that the Flames were on. Well, at the same time, the Stampeders were owned by uh, Michael Federick and run by Fred Fateri. And Joe got into a little trouble because one day he did a rant and he said, burn your tickets. And he was just being facetious and he was having some fun with it, but people took it the wrong way. And that became a, a, a kind of a calling card running, running gag. Let's go with that on 960 for good, better part of a year. If I'm a Jay's season ticket, I'll burn my freaking tickets. Send the ashes in an envelope to that man right there. The reason I am showing you this story, the reason that I am showing you Shai Davidi's work is I want to point something out. And this is going to get me into a little hot water, and that's fine. And this is going to get a certain segment of the population a little upset, and that's cool. Because we should be uncomfortable at the best of times. Shai Davidi and that guy are paid by the same group. They work for the same corporation. They likely go to the same Christmas party. Probably not, but could. I get really angry when people read something or listen to something or hear something and it doesn't jive with what they have to say or think. And they go, oh, you're just carrying water for the, you know, you're just, you know, well, we know who, who pays your, who pays, like you've got an agenda. No, they don't. I got no agenda. Shai Davidi, if you go and read this article, this was as brilliant a takedown of a clown, and that I have no other words for Ross Atkins than clown. Sorry, I know I, I try to avoid that. I try nuance and context. Clown, I'm going to use the word clown. And they both work for the same group. And they both, so don't come crawling and crying and going, oh, it's the media, the media, the media. I hate that BS. You know what the problem in the world right now is? The, the problem in the world right now might simply be that we don't have good media literacy. Somebody writes something you don't like, that doesn't mean they have an agenda. And I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Both work for Rogers. And I don't have a lot of great things to say about Rogers. But there, there's some, and we'll get into it in a little while, but there's some things sometimes where they said, oh, you shouldn't say that or you shouldn't do that. But I did what I wanted. Shai Davidi wrote what he had to write. Interesting when Ross, uh, sorry, when uh, Mark Shapiro speaks. By the way, that's tomorrow. Jays have been out for 10 days, but the president will show up. What a, just an absolute gong show, clown show. And so if I'm, if I'm talking about, if I'm talking about, um, Sportsnet for a second, or Rogers. You want leadership? Read Elliot Friedman's 32 Thoughts. There's a piece in there, I think it's number one, where Mark Shifley talks about uh, Andrew Ladd, former hitman who just retired. You want to talk about leadership? There's an example of leadership. I'll, free plug for, for Friedman. Go read the piece. But what Ross Atkins did on Saturday is unacceptable. It's cowardice. It's gutless. 
a leader leads. I it may have been Schneider's it, it may have been the manager's decision. It may have been his decision. But you throw yourself on the grenade. That's what a leader does. And I want transparency. You can explain to me, but you don't go, I found out when you did. No, you didn't. And everybody knows you didn't. And everybody knows you didn't. <sighs> All right. Uh, because I can't quite see. Do we have our guest, Jack? Yes, we do. Oh, perfect. Okay, excellent. So she's heard enough of me whining and complaining. Uh, we go uh, to our guest, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary. 76 years in Calgary. You know who won't be in Calgary? Our next guest. Not this winter, but she'll come back, I'm sure. Uh, two locations open right now, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center. Bow Ridge Road Northwest. Uh, two more locations will open up as soon as the snow flies. Of course, the best in uh, in skis, snowboards, snow skates, and all the equipment and the clothing that goes with it. Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. Uh, Alberta Hall of, uh, Alberta Sports Hall of Fame, the, the, the Olympian medalist, gold medalist. Uh, but to me, the title that best suits our next guest is uh, my favorite hockey coach in all hockey right now. Carla McLeod joins us. The new head coach, the spanking brand new, still sparkling, got new coach smell around her of the Ottawa franchise in the, uh, oh, I get it mixed up. This is, okay. The league is the PWHL? You got her. Yep. All right. Okay. Okay. I get mixed up on little things. But before we get to that, I want you to put your Olympian hat on because as Katrina LeMaydone once told me, once an Olympian, always Olympian. You're never an ex-Olympian. I thought this was really mm -hmm. interesting this week. Los Angeles announced new sports that are coming to the Olympics. What do you think of, of this lineup? What, what is it as a, a former or as a, as an Olympian, what do you think of flag football? Um, I believe cricket, baseball and softball are coming back. Um, but we're adding new sports. Is that a good thing, Carla? I think it's a great thing, Rob. Yeah. I think, uh, anytime you can get sport to the highest level and that, you know, typically has a great trickle down effect. Uh, you look at this this list of sports; it's it's worldwide, uh, so you're you're continuing to unite the world at that level. Um, and again, I think the fresh and the new always sort of naturally bring a new audience as well. So, you know, in, in a in a world where we're trying to keep people active and keep people engaged in sport, uh, I'm all for uh, bringing more sports in, into the Olympics and, and further spotlighting them. What do you think of some of the adaptations we made in rugby sevens is the best example I can come up with, right? That, you know, we took rugby and then rugby sevens grabbed everybody's attention. Uh, three on three basketball, I believe, is an option as well. Uh, as a as a hockey person, do you think there's a potential for three on three hockey at the Olympics at some level? Yeah, I think, you know, given sort of what the history is there to your point, and I think curling is another example where they've they've been able to sort of carve out another niche within it, that I wouldn't be surprised if, right. if hockey went that route. Uh, the, the, the purists wouldn't love it. 
but I think as long as the original is still intact and, and serving mm-hmm. its purpose, you know, you know, why not be creative? It's a different game, three on three. It, it might highlight different athletes and, and, and different styles. So, um, Again, for me and my experience at the Olympic Games, like, and, and I know how, how impactful it was on me as an athlete and, and still to this day as a coach and as a person, boy, if more people get that opportunity to chase that dream and that goal, uh, I don't see a lot of negative with it. As long as they're willing to, to press more medals and, and you know, sell more tickets, uh, which I'm sure they're, they're in line with, uh, good things can happen with, with growing all the sports. Well, I'm, I'm excited. Obviously, lacrosse and squash were the other two that I forgot. Lacrosse, I'm very curious to see, but it's the flag football. I, I got to be honest with you. The flag football really intrigues me because of many reasons, but growing that sport and making that sport more attractive, A, to allow women to play it, but also to give kids an alternative in a, in a safer environment. There's a lot of reasons to look in that and hope that's successful. Yeah, for sure. And just just how how great football is like just the game of the movement of the game and the, the strategy behind it and you know to your point of the safety piece that comes along with the flag side of it uh i could see it being a really engaging event and i know as canadians we we love team sports so adding more team sport is always always advantageous as a as a canuck yeah um Let's get into some hockey. Obviously, I want to spend a lot of time talking about starting something from scratch. But I am curious, if if, if you were talking to Ryan Huska tonight ahead of his first game behind the bench for points for the Calgary Flames, what advice would you give him? Um, you know, sure, every coach comes in after somebody. Every coach is always, except for you in one case, and we'll get to that. But most coaches are coming in <laughs> replacing. But what what advice do you have for a coach that's that's starting that journey and, and putting their own stamp on something? Well, I'm not sure I'd, I'd frame it as advice. I, I think he's well versed and well prepared for this opportunity, and that's why he's he's been allotted it. Uh, I can, you know, to to my own experience, I think the the biggest challenge is being comfortable being who you are and not trying to impersonate anyone that's been before you or anyone that might be impacting you or around you and having the confidence in yourself that, uh, you know, a season isn't won or lost in a game and just getting comfortable behind the bench and making sure your team's feeling as confident as they can feel. So, you know, I think the biggest thing is not not putting more emphasis on this game than, than there needs to be. It really is just another game. And everyone at the professional level, NHL and otherwise, you know, they're so, they're so veteran in that experience that I don't foresee that being a concern. Um, and I think, yeah, at the end of the day, he's shaping that group to – to be the best version that they can be. And, and I, I'm excited to see, you know, how, how he rolls into this and, and fits into this, this new role for himself and thrilled to, and excited that, that he's got this opportunity. Well, one last one on the national hockey league. Is there one storyline, anything that you're watching in particular this year? I, I mean, obviously Connor Bedard had a, you know, had a, a debut last night and there's a lot of hype around that you know, Connor McDavid and, and, and the Oilers, there's a lot of hype there. Um, for me, it, it, it seems like, you know, where are we going now? Like what's the next, we got a lot of young players. we got a lot of talent. What, where's this game evolving to? Is there any, any one particular NHL story you're paying attention to? 
Well, I wish I had time, Rob, to, to pay attention. Uh, I'm pretty pretty entrenched right now with uh, making sure the you know, yeah, Calgary okay. Dinos are in a good spot. That you know, Czech has their national team set up, and we're ready to go in November. And of course, the training camp with Ottawa that's uh, it's coming down the pipe pretty quickly here. But uh, you know, I think when when the start of the NHL season, what I always look to see is uh, those teams that went far into the playoffs. Like, how do they continue pushing their their team game? Because I think that's why they get there. So. You know, the one-off stories at this point of the season tend to be about individuals. And uh, I think that makes sense uh, for a lot of reasons. But I, I'm always naturally pulled into sort of the team side of the game. So, you know, with Vegas raising the banner and, and trying to go after another another Stanley Cup, you know, how, how can they dig in and, and, and keep getting more out of one another and, and, and evolving the team side of it? So that's where my eye will naturally go uh, with the NHL. But, uh, you know, to the opening of, of my answer there, uh, I've got a, a few other things on my play right now that have kept me from really digging into to the start of the NHL season. Yeah, no kidding. Let's, let's d- dive into that. I'm gathering by your background that a, you're either moving out or moving into a new office. <laughs> are, are you settling in in Ottawa no. yet? I, I'm still in Calgary. I'm at the University of Calgary right now. And uh, we, we, we're a minimal, minimalist approach when it comes to decorating in our office. We like to keep it clean and tidy, Josh and I. So uh, this is actually my everyday working office, but we, we try to keep it clean and, uh, and, and make it a nice area uh, uh, so we can think and, and, and work, uh, not worry about the clutter. So, so we're in a pretty good spot that way. Let's talk about uh, the dinos because you're not officially stepping away. It's more of a sabbatical, right? Is is that how we would word uh, your relationship with the uh, with the team? Well, I can I can tell you from the the onset of all this that that came down uh, pretty quickly at the start of September. Uh, ben Matchett, who's our athletic director here at U Calgary, uh, has been just nothing short of supportive and and understanding of what this opportunity uh, means to me personally, and obviously. Uh, for me to be a part of this next step in, in the women's game is is really a dream that I didn't know I had uh, until early September when it was presented. So, yeah, the university has been uh, so supportive and making sure that I'm I'm in the right spot and, and in a great spot. And obviously, then you know, elevating Josh uh, Gosling from our associate head coach to interim head coach uh, has has been a nice maneuver as well. And I'm really excited for him to take over this program and to continue to be uh, a key driver in it. And Kelty Apperson, who's been a a volunteer coach with us for two years is going to step into a more full-time assistant coaching role. So really fortunate that the community here has, has rallied around, you know, this decision that I've made because I knew I was negatively impacting some people and, and my choices was going to impact others. But to know we've got a great team around us has, has really given me peace of mind uh, as I venture off to, to Ottawa here shortly. My understanding too, is that you have a, a pretty impressive recruiting class coming or recruited class coming in too, don't you? Well, again, I'll give a lot of credit to Josh. Yeah, he, he's the he's the the eye that that picks out talent. I would tell you that's it's probably one of my my weaker parts of the game. I really like the team side of the game and, and that. So Josh has uh, has certainly uh, helped us draw in some really great young players here, uh, some first years this year that are having impact early in our season, and of, of course that'll continue as uh, you know the root system grows for for him being here. And uh, and building that out, so yeah, the the future is really bright for the for the Dinos, and they've got a a number one fan built in uh, in me, and I can't wait to continue to watch them and support them as as they chase the the goals and dreams that we've talked about. You, you've mentioned it a couple of times that the the opportunity in Ottawa came in September. So how did you find out who reaches out? How does one become a coach of an inaugural team? 
Yeah, uh, you have to be fortunate. So I was definitely fortunate. Uh, the general manager, uh, Mike Hirschfeld, he reached out to me uh, in early September, uh, just expressed some interest in, in maybe uh, connecting with me and, and seeing where I, my head was at and if I'd, I'd be interested in, in joining Ottawa in, in the PWHL. And, you know, you know me well enough, Rob. Uh, Calgary's home, and I'm here for a reason. My family's here. My I've got a mm-hmm. great job at the university. I'm also working with Czech. So things were things are in a pretty good spot in my my world. So I can I can actually confirm that off the top. I was like, I'm not sure I want to do this, you know. But obviously through some conversation uh, with Mike and and others uh, in in my my world, uh, it it kind of became clear that this was a, a pretty unique opportunity and one that I I'm really privileged to be a part of. And again to have the support of of Ben here at the university and Josh and even my team, you know, when I told the, told the team here that I was going to pursue this opportunity, obviously a little bit of shock because they, they didn't know that was going to be the case, mm-hmm. but in the same breath, pretty, pretty excited for me as a, as a person, as a coach. So yeah, after some conversation with Mike, it became pretty clear that this was going to be a, a really unique opportunity and, and one that uh, I, I kind of be a, a, a fool not, not to jump at. So uh, made that decision and, and, and truly have been excited since that moment. What's what's the first thing you do then when you get together with your general manager? You have no players. You really don't have a name. You don't have colors. I mean, there's a lot of things, but what's job number one? Yeah, for, for us at that point, we had uh, Mike had gone ahead and signed uh, the three players, Emily Clark, Brand Jenner, and uh, Emmerich Smashmeyer. So we, we knew we had those three, three players locked in, which is a really great okay. starting point. Uh, Mike did a tremendous job that way. And uh, really, you know, he not only talked about the importance of, of building a, a great culture. I think he brought in three, three women that value it highly and are, are very impactful in creating it. So a real nice starting point for any coach. Uh, and uh, so I, I'm clearly going to benefit from that, but we, we were just about a week away from the draft. So the, the next step was just preparing for the draft and ensuring that uh, when we were at that table, uh, we, we had our plan and, and we're really confident with the direction we wanted to go. So uh, a lot of phone calls, a lot of zoom calls, a lot of homework done, uh, you know, there's a big width of, uh, of players there that you had to, you had to do some homework on. So it was a really neat process for me. Obviously I'd never been a part of one before. Uh, so, so just sort of navigating that and learning different details about how drafts work and, you know, snake drafts in particular. So, you know, we got, we got there to Toronto. We were able to, to name you know, another 15 people to our team, another 15 women. So pretty exciting, pretty, pretty quick first couple of weeks, but, uh, thir- like truly enjoyable and, and really rewarding. what went into the decision-making? Because I, I mean, you can't just take best available. You have to have some eye towards a, a game plan, some eye towards a culture, some eye towards, you know, how this team will play. So how, how did you go about making your decisions? Yeah, it was a collective group. Uh, you know, Mike had assembled a, a really great team uh, for our Ottawa table and, and those of us doing the homework. And, you know, there's a, uh, an angle from an analytics perspective. So we were making sure we understood that side of, of different players games, obviously, um, you know, you do your homework as a, on the, on the, as players uh, and, and as people, but, you know, maybe the, the neat part for us is, um, you know, we, we had a gentleman in, in our group who, who is well-versed in major league baseball drafts and he and Mike uh, have a relationship uh, having built a triple A team in Ottawa many, many years ago. And, uh, and Joe was able to sort of help, help us ensure that we are doing our, our, our homework consistently and, and, and making sure that things aligned accordingly, but maybe more importantly, just kind of gave us a, a line of sight to maybe 
rhythm of draft. So, you know, is there a run on position and, and details like that? And then to your point, Rob, it, you know, we're constantly being reminded, you know, we're not, we're not making a national team. It's not a week long competition here. This is a, this is a, you know, a, a, a long-term process that you have to take in different variables. So, you know, at the end of the day, every team in this league is, is really, really good. So I think everyone would have taken sort of their, their angle to the draft and, you know, I think everyone walked away from that day thinking they were in a great spot, which uh, I think we all are. So it's going to be a highly competitive league. But certainly just just learning the ins and outs of maybe how the draft could work and, and did work uh, was was really fun for me. I, I am very curious about what you learned about the overall player pool. Um, there's a reason there's six teams, and I think we all appreciate that. You have to grow responsibly, properly, and all of those sort of things. But you go through a draft and then there's players who didn't get drafted or didn't get you know drafted. Um, you go through free agency. Carla, conceivably, how many teams could this league have started with and been competitive with? Yeah, like to your point, I respect why it's at six. And I think it's a it's a it's a the right starting point uh, to, to ensure that the game is being played at the right level. And, you know, community engagement and all those details can be managed and, and built out well i don't think anyone wants this league to be good i think we all want it to be great um with that said you know i've, I've got to hope that you know expansion will come when the time is right and you know i think you could get to 12 teams pretty quickly and still have a, a an incredibly high caliber of play um especially if, okay. if the world uh folds into this this league like like we think and you know you look at the ncaa and u sport and and the sort of the age group under uh you know there's there's enough there's enough pl- women playing in the world at a really high level that I think, I think you can get to 12 comfortably pretty quickly. What's the, uh, I don't recruitment's the wrong word, but the, the conversations, the initial conversations, I mean, it's, it's exciting and, and all, but there was a league and then there wasn't a league and, and there was, you know, a little bit of turmoil. What's the overall, I guess, conversation like with the players right now? I mean, a lot of people had their their lives kind of turned upside down or thought they were doing this and now they're doing that. Has it been somewhat chaotic to talk to players? Yeah, I think everyone sort of maybe entered into this league from from a different storyline. You know, I think those that were playing in the PHF who thought they had signed with teams and were going to have a, a regular season and, and had, knew where they were going to play, you know, to have that pulled away from them uh, at, a, at a late moment uh, created some uncertainty for sure. But, you know, I think, you know, we can all rest assured that through the hardship always comes uh, some better days. And, and this this is a league that feels like none other that I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, we, we needed all those previous leagues and iterations and, you know, all those great people that that tried so hard to get the, the sport off the ground. We needed those moments to get to this one. And uh, but this one feels different. Uh, and it's mm. uh, there's a validity to it and, and a business structure to it that maybe, you know, I haven't I haven't seen before. Um, so I think through the, the ups and downs, um, you know, we're back to the up and uh, a lot of excitement around this league for sure. Yep. So with that said, um, one more kind of technical roster question with no feeder system, with no you know minor league system, what do you do to, to, to counter injuries and how, how big a taxi squad will you have access to? Yeah. You know, my understanding is we'll have a 23-woman roster, uh, and then we have uh, the capacity to carry two more reserve players that are in the community. 
Uh, so should we we get into sort of injury trouble? You know, there, there's a bit of a depth chart there that uh, that will help help us work through it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be uh, we're not playing an 82 game season. Uh, we're going to play you know in the, in the 20 24 to 28 range uh, game count. So so that makes it a little bit more manageable as well. Uh, but yeah, to your point, I think that's that's a long term vision too. Is can you get to a, a point where you you do get a farm system? And uh, and you can continue, you know, allowing more and more women to play at the pro level uh, when they're out of college. Because you know, up until this point, it was very very difficult as a as a female hockey player to play beyond college if you weren't involved in your national team. So, uh, you know, the, the there's an uh, there's an excitement, and I use that word a lot, but it's genuine. There's an excitement to to what the possibilities could become uh, if we can get the PWHL to the, to the level we know it it it's suitable for. I understand. I'm just throwing theories out there and I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, get you to comment or commit to anything, but, you know, having worked with a, a domestic basketball league and I've seen the connection to U sport and I see the CPL's connection to, to U sport. Do you think that somewhere down the line, you know, your two worlds could kind of combine? Yeah, I hope so. Like that's always the goal. And I think from a lot of different ways, like one would be, you know, U sport players getting drafted and, and playing in this league. And there's, we've already shown there's a handful that have done that in, in the first, first ever draft. So there's that path for sure. But I also see it as, you know, I'm in a Canadian market with two universities uh, that got, that have great women's hockey programs and athletic departments. And, you know, how do you forge that rapport and that relationship to ensure that there's a connection, you know, uh, I'm preaching to the choir here with you, Rob, and, and recognizing the value of community in all of these endeavors. And, and certainly that won't be lost on us in Ottawa. And I think that's one of the most exciting pieces about going to Ottawa is I know there's a rich, rich community there. Um, whether you look at it from the history of women's hockey, you know, they hosted the first ever world championship in 1990, uh, you know, to, to just being in a great sport market. Um, and that I think has an energy around supporting our team and, and, and building something great together. That's what I get excited about. Well, I know I'm ecstatic, I'm ecstatic for Heroes Hockey in Ottawa because they get two of the best, yeah. you and, and Emily <laughs> Clark. Like, <laughs> right away, Ottawa Heroes wins. <laughs> <laughs> We're both excited about it, too, so you're not wrong. We win as well. Exactly. Um, let's get into some of the nerdy coaching stuff. Um, what kind of resources will you have? What kind of staff do you want to put together? Um, where do you start? Yeah, I, I give a lot of credit again to our general manager, Mike. He's he's been doing the heavy lifting on on this side of things. But you know, I, I'm thrilled at the fact that, you know, we have a we have a filled out staff. Like it's it's professional and, and the resources are gonna be there uh for our players, the resources are gonna be there as, as a coaching staff. Um, you know, so so to your point, you know, that's it's been sort of the the busiest part of, of Mike's days, I believe, and, and certainly I've been able to tag in on, on some of that as well, but really thrilled that that's that's the bar, like the level starting incredibly high. And, and that's, you know, what the dream was in all honesty. So, you know, we've been able to, to work through our coaching mm-hmm. staff here. We, we, you know, I'm sure it'll be announced in the coming days, but uh, just really pleased with the fact that, you know, we've got some incredible people, strength and conditioning, athletic therapy, you know, mental performance, equipment managers, like, you know, all these people are going to be coming into our fold in Ottawa and we're going to have, you know, get the opportunity to figure out how we all work together 
and then you know ultimately never losing sight of how do we make sure the women are at their best so yeah it's going to be uh it's going to be done the right way and and that's that's a, a truly a, a great piece for the game and for all of us involved in it analytics video access to all of those sort of things correct yeah i didn't, I didn't you're right those are also included yep um, your strength, as I see it, is, is building culture and, and creating that positive environment for a player to play in. You start from scratch. What's, what's job number one in terms of creating the culture that you and the general manager want in Ottawa? It's, you know, I've said it on, on a sort of every interview I've ever done or anytime I've ever spoke about being a, being a coach, uh, the privilege is the people. So I got to learn, I got to learn our people. And, uh, you know, that's the primary objective here over the next couple of weeks heading into training camp. Uh, we've just drafted an email that will be sent to our players uh, so that as, as a coaching staff, we can learn who they are as people and, and who do they see themselves as players. Uh, that's an important piece as, you, as we start to navigate our, our way through training camp. Um, you know, but the same has to be said for our staff. I've, I've got to learn who they are and how do they, how do they be at their best? What do they need from us? And, uh, you know, so, you know, I think a lot of people assume are just sitting here drawing breakouts and forechecks, but uh, deep down that'll come later. Uh, right now it's about who who are they and, and how do we become Ottawa together and uh, how do we ensure that everyone's feeling valued and, and recognize that everyone's contributing to, to, to where we want to go and, and we're going to need everyone in order to get to where we want to go. All right, here's the nerdy culture question. How difficult is it not to have a name and not to have colors when you're building culture? <laughs> well, it makes my PowerPoints harder because uh, I don't know what background. <laughs> uh, but but you know what, Rob, like that's uh, to me, there's there's a plan probably there as well. And at this point, if mm -hmm. I had to hand sew the jerseys that our team had to wear for us to play in this league and, and be given this opportunity, I, I would do it. I'm not, not great at it. I'm not sure they'd fit. Uh, but I think, you know, that stuff is, is always fun. And I think, you know, maybe there's a community piece there too. I'm not sure what the, what the plan is, but I know for certain, uh, you know, if we've got Ottawa written across our jerseys, we know who we are and, uh, we'll build towards that. So, uh, I think that stuff's all exciting. And, and when it comes about, it's going to be great, but I'm, I'm not losing sleep over that at this point. No, I, I, and I gather that, but it it is part of it though right like you know when you when you coach an olympic team you're that country you're playing for that country when you're coaching the dinos you have that tradition everything's new like it's there is no tradition you are the tradition and and to me i i'd be going snaky not knowing what my nickname or my mascot <laughs> is by now well i'll let you know once we know though i'll let you know so you can sleep at night then okay that's good okay <laughs> Um, now a serious question, how does one flip the switch to professional? You know, there have been incarnations. You've talked about that. There's no higher level than the Olympics in representing your country. I get that. But in North America, it's different when you're a professional athlete. What, what has to happen to turn that switch? Yeah. And I, you know, I think to that question, it's a great question, Rob. And I think it, it's something that's been bouncing around in my brain for, for, well, since I got the job, because um, I'm going to be learning too. Uh, I haven't been given this opportunity before to coach professionally. So, uh, or sorry, at the professional level. And uh, so it's not lost on me that it's new. And, and I, uh, you know, I've already made some phone calls 
to people that I know that have been in the NHL and, uh, and asked sort of, you know, what is, what are the nuances? You know, some have been involved with the national team before and others the NHL. So I've been picking their brain to make sure that, uh, you know, I'm on the right track and, you know, there's little, little pieces, little nuggets of information that, you know, make me think a little bit differently. You know, I, I can talk to you about strength and conditioning. You know, I just, just connected with Ryan Van Aston this morning, who was with the flames for a long time and he was our mm-hmm. strength coach in 2010. So, you know, what does it look like at that level? Do they train as a team? Do they train as individuals? What's the volume, you know? So I I'm trying to do my homework too, because it's not lost on me that I don't know all the answers. Um, so certainly I think the, the biggest piece is, is ensuring one that when the women arrive to camp, they, they have a feel, there's a feel there that is different than any, anywhere else they've ever, ever played. And, uh, Mike and I, and our staff are doing uh, a lot of work there, uh, to make sure that's the case. And then, you know what, we're going to learn together and there's going to be things we're going to try as a staff that maybe doesn't connect with the players. There's going to be things that players want that maybe as a staff, we think, no, that's not the right, the right lane. And we just have to work together. And, and that's, you know, back to your point about culture, you, you have to have those lines of communication and that trust factor between the, the, the two that we can, we can figure this out collectively. Do you and the other coaches, other management teams, the league get together very often? Are you having conversations about officiating, rule play, game play, anything like that? Has there been much communication at a league level amongst coaches? Not for the coaches yet. Uh, I think they're working through sort of the general manager stuff here, and I think they're connecting regularly. Uh, and then obviously uh, I, I hear it from Mike then on, on variables that I need to be aware of. Uh, but I suspect that'll be coming down the way as we get closer and closer to playing. Um, Brian Burke coming on board and being attached to the league. What does that mean? How how does his reputation impact the start? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it goes two ways. I always think, you know, when you can bring great people in like Brian, who's always been a, a staunch supporter of, of, the women's game and, and hockey being for everyone, um, you know, that, that there's a credibility that comes along with that. But I, I think the other side of that is, you know, he wanted to be a part of this as well. So there's a validity to what he saw within the league and, and the opportunity that presented itself that way. So, you know, I think uh, the PWHL has done an incredible job in, in drawing in, you know, people from different lines of work and, and, and it, it wasn't just, sort of maybe what what you might have predicted as far as, you know, those that are involved in the league and, and those are wanting those who are wanting to be involved in the league. So, yeah, I think, you know, having even Brian at the draft, like any of us that are hockey people, you know, there's, it's nice to see him there. And, uh, you know, it, it never hurts to have great people uh, continuing to drive our game. And, and he's certainly one of them. This is is all fresh, obviously, and all new. I'm curious, though, about what your national team commitment looks like and how you mentioned how the UFC players took it. But, you know, I'm assuming we're going to see internationals in the league. Um, I'm assuming that this has been met with positive news by, you know, management in Chechia. But what was the reaction when they found out? Yeah, they, you know, they were great too. They're really, uh, really excited knowing that, uh, you know, I would be given this opportunity personally and that, you know, obviously our players then would have a chance, not because I'm there, but just because the league's in existence, you know, that, that, that our, you know, our players at Czech have, have the chance to play professional hockey in North America, um, you know, and again, we've never seen this. We've never seen the best in the world playing together. We've always seen the best in the mm-hmm. world playing against one another. 
And, you know, having worked with Czech now for, for just over a year, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to see, you know, what is it like? We've got two players in Montreal. What's it like to practice with against Poulin every day? You know, we got two players in Ottawa. Well, now, now you're skating with Emily Clark and Jenner and Harmon and, and all these, these players that they've always sort of looked up to and thought, wow, you know, they're going to quickly learn, Hey, well, you know, I, I get to play with them. So I think what it's going to do for the game internationally is, is exactly what it did for the men's game. Um, it bridges mm-hmm. it and it closes the gaps quicker. And that's what the, our sport's been waiting on. And, you know, we haven't had the chance until now. So, you know, we're, we're going to see the international game grow because of this league as well. And, and, and that's a great thing for, for the game around the world. See, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I, you and I watched, you know, uh, Haley Wickenheiser stand up and, you know, go to toe with Rennie Fissell and others who said maybe we have to reconsider if it's just Canada and the U.S. But there was never a top league. There was never a pro league. And unfortunately, we had to watch basketball and, and soccer do it. Um, that is like, like it's conceivable that the water table will rise to a point where it won't always just be the two teams, right? 100%. And you do, you know, do your homework in men's hockey. There was two teams for the longest time until the NHL sort of bridged the gap. Like, you know, it, it yeah. Really, we you know, go down a few paths on this answer, but you know, in Olympic sport, there tends to be dominant nations within different realms. Bobsled's been, you know, sliding sports been dominated by Germany for years and years. So, you know, women's hockey is not vastly different from other sports. But you know, the, the reality is, is the model that was women's hockey when you're you're relying on your federations to fund everything in order to grow the game. That's not the design of federations. That's not how how it works. And so. To, to now have these women invested in every day uh, by, by entities that, you know, want to invest in them, meaning the pro league, uh, you know, it's only going to build players. It's going to, it's going to help them in training. It's going to help them in resource. It's going to help them on, on every facet of, of their development. And, uh, and that's what the game needed. And we were, we were overdue uh, for this opportunity, but just grateful yeah. now that it, it's here and we can leverage it. How much does this league need to connect itself, not necessarily to the past recent pro leagues? And I, I, I should know this, and I don't. I don't know what the history is in Ottawa, but I think of Judy Diddick and the Edmonton Chimos, right? All of those years of being that kind of that standalone team that, you know, carried the flag. How important will it be? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. For this league to pay homage or connect itself to those type of trailblazers. I think it's critical, Rob. Uh, I, I haven't had a moment uh, since this league's been announced that I haven't thought of Judy Diddick or Shirley Cameron or Kathy Berg, you know, all women from Alberta right. that were the reason I got to do what I did, you know, and, and they're, they're across this world. Uh, and so, you know, again, I, I, you, you never want to forget where you came from and without those women driving the, the boat and they did what they did in their era to get us to this point. And, you know, there's been some heavy lifting here in the recent years, certainly to, to help the PWHL get to, become what it is and again grateful to those women in that group of people uh men and women that have driven it but yeah i'm with you rob i i think there needs to be uh, a lot of credit paid uh to a lot of a lot of people along the way you look at mel davidson investment in the game and you know the, the 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 roster you know you almost it's almost dangerous to start name dropping but uh to me there's a root system that is so rich and that we don't want to lose we don't lose lose sight of that and to your point i think it's important that we recognize uh, as much as we can moving forward, uh, the women that came before us. Uh, a couple more for you. Uh, this one's a little bit personal. Uh, it was a year ago, almost this weekend, that um, you spoke at uh, Hockey Inspires Coaching Day for Hockey Calgary, and Kevin Hodgson from Heroes asked you a question about, you know, where you wanted to coach. And you, and you, you know, did you want to coach the NHL? Or you said, no, I want to coach – in women's professionally, I want to coach the best women in the world. Uh, subsequently, some guy just keeps bringing your name up all the time because he doesn't understand why you're not in the NHL, but that's neither here nor there. Um, you now achieve that goal. Is that a plateau? Is there a new goal? I mean, I know you just got it. You haven't coached a game, but, you know, I'm reminiscent of, geez, you know, I always wanted to get here. Now I'm here. Now what do I do? Um, what's, you know... Have you realigned your goals in life? What, what do you want to do now? I mean, you still have to coach, I guess. Well, I think, I, yeah, yeah, I have to try not get fired in one year. Um, right. Got lots to right. prove. Uh, so there's there's that reality. Uh, I think my goal in that answer, actually, Rob, was I want to help grow the women's game, and I want I want to be one of the people that helps the women's game continue to get to the level that we all believe it it should be and could be and, and will be. And so, you know, for me. I couldn't have had this dream. I didn't know this league was going to be in existence a year ago. Uh, so, you know, I think for me, the, my approach has always been and every program I've been a part of is, is one, you know, value the people you get to work with and learn from them. And that's not going to be any different. I'm going to do that in Ottawa as well. And then the, you know, the thought process internally for me has always been never get outworked. And uh, you know, I'm excited to to roll up my sleeves here and, 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 and get back to work. And there's a lot of lifting to be done. Uh, by myself, our staff, and mm. our players. So, you know, to me, the the goals aren't so. Uh, they're maybe a little bit more organic now. Where I'm just, I, I couldn't have dreamt to be the the head coach of the Dinos. I couldn't have dreamt to be the head coach of Czech. I had no idea that was coming my way. I didn't know this was. 
so the only thing I can kind of do is just continue to work hard and, and try to make the most of the opportunities to to just really engage the groups and and, and who knows where life takes me at the end of the day but I'm I'm certainly privileged and and humbled to be in the position I'm in and and you know to my original point need to do a good job here so I can retain my retain my role. <laughs> Well, fair enough. You're our professional coach now. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, that's from a right. League standpoint, <laughs> from a league standpoint, um, what needs to happen in year one? What's the because there have been other leagues, but they've never had you know Canadian Tire step up and say we we believe in equity and we're going to support. We, we've never had these things in in place. But what what should we look for in year one that will you know really help launch or really help build the platform in, in a very concrete, significant manner? Well, I think one is the product and then, and that's on us that are involved in producing that product to make sure that it's, it's at the level that is engaging and, and enjoyable. And, you know, again, I don't worry about that. You look at the players that are in this league. Uh, if you're a hockey fan, you're going to love this. And, uh, you know, I think beyond that, it's making sure that the communities feel involved and, and a part of it. And I think anytime you feel like you're a part of something, you're, you're far faster to support it. And, you know, this day and age, life is, is expensive. So there's got to be value uh, to, to where you're going to put your money and why you're going to put your money there. And I think that's the job of, of the, our franchises to make sure that uh, there's a value uh, tethered to, to the experience. And, and uh, you know, that's, a complex sort of entity, but, uh, but I think there's a lot of potential there and, and, you know, we, we need, we need people to support it. So, uh, you know, that's my other hope is that those people that love, you know, every four years when the Olympics are going on or love going to NHL games, you know, they'll, they'll give it a chance to, to say, Hey, well, let's go to this, this, let's go to this and see what it's about. Cause uh, I'm a firm believer when, when people see it live and they're part of the, the experience, uh, it's not a tough setback. This is going to be a bit of a weird one, so bear with me. Uh, working with the C, working with the Calgary Surge this year in the CBL. Oh, it's a nice Canadian league for Canadian players, but it was the target score. Everybody fell in love with the target score, so it didn't. It wasn't Canadian anymore. It wasn't a nice league anymore. It was this is cool. How quickly do you think we can get to a point with your league where we're actually talking about? I loved it when everybody was mad at the American women's soccer players because they ran up the score and they were fist pumping because it was controversy. We weren't talking about, oh, they deserve a chance. We're talking about the sport, like the good, the bad, everything that comes with it. How quickly do you think we can get to a point where, you know, I'm calling you up and going, geez, you got a real rivalry with Toronto and I can't believe they did that to you. How bitter that, like, that's the place I want to get to, Carly. Well, and we can get there, Rob, because just call me up and I'll happily talk about it with you. And we need people like you that will hardly <laughs> invest in it. You know, the voice needs to be heard and the narrative needs to be shared. And, you know, there's platforms out there that have that capacity and they're far reaching. And and again, if I can sit here and listen to NHL and men talk about men's hockey, I don't know why, you know, the world can't sit there who, who love the game and just enjoy hockey being talked about men's or women's. And, and that's where we're getting to. And, you know, the, the stories need to be continued to be told. There needs to be platforms at which uh, it's highlighted. But I can't wait for the day that, you know, people are trying to figure out, you know, our six defenders on Ottawa and why are they playing with each other and why is and so and so. You know, the minute we do that, that means we, we understand, we're just respecting the game. And, you know, we haven't been given that chance to share that narrative because we've never had this, this opportunity before. 
Um, but I hope media outlets run with it. And I hope uh, it's something that, you know, becomes just a very standard norm, no different than, than what the NHL has become. I'm going to hold you to that. Like, I, I can't wait for that one call <laughs> where I go, Carla, why are you playing with 2D on the power play? Everybody knows you play with four forwards, right? Like, <laughs> call me. Call me. I'm game. <laughs> um, listen, really excited about this. I, I know, obviously, it's under lock and key. Uh, you kind of mentioned we should think around a little under 30. Are, do you know when you're going to start? When you know when camps are? Do, do you have at least an understanding of the timelines? Yeah, we know camp's going to start uh, middle of November, so November fifteenth uh, will be the start of camp. Uh, okay. And then that you know essentially three weeks ish long. There's different phases to it for sure. Um, and then the league will start early January. So I, I'm not sure if it'll be as quick as January first, but it's going to be right in and around there. And uh, you know it's going to be a, a real exciting time. So. Yeah, the timelines are starting to come about and, and certainly we're planning around them and, uh, you know, just look forward to, to getting all the women in Ottawa and, and getting our staff together and, and starting to figure out, you know, who is who is this Ottawa team and what are we going to be about? So so certainly uh, lots of things coming our way pretty quickly here, but uh, but I, I couldn't have asked for anything better. It's uh, it's going to be it's going to be quite a ride. And I don't know why I thought of it just now, but is there a potential somewhere down the line of bringing in national teams to play the, the pro teams? Like, would you want to bring your team in and play an exhibition? You, you remember the, old, you know, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve in Montreal, right? Arguably one of the greatest games ever played it was a non-NHL team and an NHL team. Could we see something like that? I guess, I guess, the, you know, the, the sky's the limit in, in what could be. Uh, I think the challenge there is that, you know, this league's full of national team players. So if you pull them off to put them on the national team, who's left yeah. on the team? Yeah. So, so you might run short of, of players that way. But, uh, you know, I think there's there's going to be a lot of unique opportunities, um, certainly within the game and uh, within this league and, and the international game. So, yeah, I'm just excited to see where the where the next step lies. Because, again, like I said many times, like we, we weren't, hundred percent confident this step was going to come about. So the fact that we're here is, is a thrill. And then, you know, where, where it's going to lead to is, is actually, you know, I, I can't wait to, can't wait to see it just as a fan. Well, I, I'm excited. I, I'm excited to find out what your name is. I mean, I hope it's not too late to vote. Like I think <laughs> Ottawa fighting squirrels would be perfect. I think that would be amazing. It uh, doesn't matter. I'll get Send the that to my email. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will. I will indeed. Um, hey, listen, so happy for you. So excited. I know it's all going to work out. Um, really, I think it's all like I could spend all day just the starting of, of something and building it from the ground up is so exciting to me. So I, I hope you enjoy that. And I, and I, you know, we'll check in on you all winter. Don't worry about that. But continued success and, and congratulations, Carla. This is awesome. Thanks, Rob. I, and I always appreciate your time and, and the conversation. So thanks for having me on again. And uh, I do look forward to the next time. So so be sure to reach out. I will. Thanks, Carla. See ya. Thank you. Carla McLeod, uh, the head coach of the currently unnamed Ottawa franchise in the PWHL. Uh, our guest brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com, 76 years uh, here in Calgary. Four locations, two open right now. Two. Four normally in the winter. When, and what I gather is that Lake Louise is opening early November. So things, and I, I'm assuming sunshine and kicking horse and everything else uh, subsequently would follow in behind or around or before. 
So it's not that far off. Ski Seller Snowboard. SkiSellerSnowboard.com. Check them out. Um, oh, I never get nothing done. Are you kidding me? Starting something from scratch? Oof, never get nothing done. Uh, but so excited for Carla. Um, she doesn't get caught up in the minutia, the naming and the colors and things like that. That would drive me absolutely nuts. Uh, let's do this. Um, Jack, I'll kick it over to you. Any questions or, or comments we want to get to? The, the Flames opening up the 23-24 regular season tonight. Uh, obviously, the NHL is underway. Full slate of games. Uh, and then carry out on the road uh, pretty quick, too. So, uh, you know, before we know it, we'll already be into the minutia of early season hockey. Uh, anything we want to bring up? Yeah, a couple questions here uh, uh, regarding the game tonight, actually. Okay. First one, what does Dylan Dubé bring to the Flames' first line? Um, the trust of the coach, who's had him for a while. Speed, tenacity. Um, he's obviously somebody that I think Lindholm and... Huberdo would have been consulted on and said, take a look around. What if we try Dubé? Um, I felt like, I mean, he's the best conditioned athlete on this team has tested what has won the fitness testing four years in a row. I think it is. Um, he can score. He lacks like a lot of flames did some consistency last year. Um, but there is, you know, if I was going to pick one guy that could pop, I know I said Matt Coronado for the the call or whatever. I, I think Matt Coronado, Mangiapane, they can score. But if if somebody in game one could change the fan base's opinion by game 82 and, oh, I didn't think he could be that or I think didn't realize he could evolve into that, I think it's Dylan Dubé. But I think part of it, part of it does the relationship with the coach. And then part of it is back to pairs. You know, I was always grew up under the three line system. Oh, you got a left winger, right winger and a center. I think the Sedins kind of popularized the pairs. Uh, Tangay and Aginla were a pair. Sure. Lanko was there at times. Camillary and Aginla were a pair. The, the, pairs tend to be where you start now and then you add. So I would not be surprised if Huberto and, and Lindholm have had something to, 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 you know, say about that. If you watch the barn burner, barn burner yesterday, I don't think it's the barn burner. I think it's barn burner with Craig Conroy. He talked about Matt Coronado, uh, right shot. Um, why isn't he playing the right wing on the first line? I think he's going to get there at some point, unless Dubé blossoms, as I suggested, maybe he, he could. Uh, I think Coronado will get there. Where I think you get into trouble if it, if it becomes a game by game process of of who's playing the right side, then you're in trouble. Um, but I think Dubé, he's not a kid no more anymore. That's English, not good either. Me, uh, he's not a kid anymore. Like he's, you know, again another thing, guy that seems like oh he's just drafted, just came out of the no, he's been a pro for a while now, and you know at some point, who and what are you? Michael Backlund did not blossom until 25, 26, 27. So maybe I mean, there might be a part of that in there too. What else you got for me, Jack? Rob, I know you're not a gambling guy, but the flames are plus 800 to win the division. Is mm. that a good bet? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't think this team's going to win the division. Um, I mean, if they did, yeah, I guess it is a good bet. I, I, how are you asking it? You know, are, are you asking from the standpoint of, I've got extra money. Should I take a flyer on this? Sure. Um, if you're asking me logically, do I believe they are going to be Pacific Division champions? No, I do not. Um, I think there's it's really competitive. I think Edmonton's going to be a regular season monster unless they go the other way, which is that um, we're just going to you know wait till the playoffs. That's the only thing that matters. I, I think they could be Boston like or you know remember a decade ago San Jose was just. They were always good in the regular season, couldn't get anything done in the playoffs. I guess that's where I'm looking at, but no, I don't. Um, no, I'm not spending your money on this, uh, if that's what you're asking. Do the Seattle Kraken take a step back this year? Taking a step back would suggest that they, you know, so year three, year one, they weren't Vegas, right? Year two, hey, they've had some success. They went somewhere in the playoffs. I was never sold on them last year in the playoffs. I, you know, there was one game I think Calgary was in there and they kind of ran their show in their own building or midway through the season. I think maybe I'm missing, maybe I'm misremembering, but. There was nothing impressive to me. Um, I, I like pieces of it. Kaylor Yamoto is uh, an interesting addition. Shane Wright, and it's funny, we were talking about dry settle earlier. You know, here's Shane Wright, who a year ago was supposed to be number one overall, didn't get picked number one overall. Got a little bit of time there last year. Is going to start in the month. Are they going to take a step back? Uh, I, I think they're kind of caught in that same no man's land the flames have been the last couple of years is you know could they make it yes will they make it i don't know um you know are they a playoff team i'll apply that metric to them are they a playoff team they should be a playoff team if they don't make the playoffs i think they should be disappointed absolutely um but watching them last night i i thought that um god bless there's only so much to talk about and only so many new things that can be said. Um, Vegas was, you know, a little sluggish off the start in that game against the Kraken last night. The Kraken were out shooting them five nothing. At one point, um, the broadcasters and I, and again, I hate to pick on people, but I did chuckle a little bit out loud. Well, you know, they played on Saturday and they played on Sunday. And they got the rings on Sunday and and then they had to, you know, and then, then they had the ceremony and the the Stanley Cup raising and everything. Oh, bang! It's one nothing Vegas. So so much for oh, they're tired. Um, Vegas was good last night. Seattle, it's kind of what I expected. Um, if they had throttled Vegas 4-1 or 5-1, I guess I would have been surprised. I was not surprised. It's a long way for me getting, are they going to take a step back? Um, I'll go with Lovey Smith. They are who we thought they were. Fair enough. Do you think Connor Bedard will be up there with the dry settles, uh, McDavid's of the world, or will he be a tier under those guys? This year, or in in terms of his his overall, I think in career? like a, overall, like throughout his career here, I think he's a generational player. Uh, he carries himself as a generational player. Um, 
you know, I, I, I look at, at Sid and Sid's definitely a generational player, but, but he doesn't have, he didn't have the gaudy Gretzky or Lemieux like generational player, or even the Yager, you know, he had great numbers. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not, he is a generational player. He just redefined what the generational, he, he was the generational closest thing to a grinder that a generational player has ever been like, you know, Sidney Crosby battles. Yes, I know he yells and complains and I get that part, but you watch him compete in small areas and, you know, he's fantastic. Um, I think Connor Bedard is going to be closer to uh, McDavid, um, you know, the, the, the Lemieux type. I think there's, there's some gaudy numbers coming there. I, I really do. Um, whether or not he's a winner, whether or not he's, you know, a guy that, that, you know, can get people over the hump uh, or a team over the hump, uh, you know, we'll see. He didn't play on very good Pats teams. Like never, you know, there was some thought last year, you might get, you know, a rumor or whatever that he was going to get traded to, to Kamloops who had a good team. And, um, you know, he still has that thing that he has to check on his resume, which is, which is winning, right? World juniors. I'm talking about with your club team now. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think he's the real deal. I think he's legitimate. Um, you know, at, at some point we're going to have to have that conversation though, about, you know, first tier generational player, second tier generational player, you know, almost what I the, that I owned up to with, uh, with Eric DeHatchet, you know, what dry said was picked third. I believe there was two guys picked ahead of him. You know, he was good. A lot of people talking about him, but nobody was saying, Oh, this is the Leon dry draft. Like they're, you know, they're not, you know, whatever the funny term would have been, they're not tanking for Leon or they're not, you know, peeing on Leon or whatever to, you know, but they were for Bedard, right? They were tanking for Bedard or Connor or lose for Connor, whatever. Um, and then, you know, Dreisaitl starts the American Hockey League, kind of like we are talking about Shane Wright. Dreisaitl looks every bit of a generational player right now. But is he Lemieux, Gretzky? You know, he's more Messier to me. You know, awesome, great, Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer. Was Messi a generational player, generational leader? You know, certainly the resume speaks for itself. So I think there's lots of conversations. And, and you, know, you know, the one thing about the National Hockey League, and, and I, I'm sure I'm just going off the top of my head here, but in, in terms of the players that we all general consensus or 100% consensus is our generational players have all won. Gretzky won, Lemieux won, Yager won, uh, Crosby won, Ovechkin won. You know, I, I don't think Kane is necessarily a generational player. I think he's a, he's that tier below. Um, Bedard has to win. That's part of the generational player club, you know. Um, it's ridiculous. He hasn't played game two. I shouldn't be talking about it in the Hall of Fame. There's no reason to think barring injuries. Now, Eric Lindros. Eric Lindros was a generational player. Got sidelined by injuries. The Eric Lindros that played Dallas or Toronto late in his career, you know, was a shell of Eric Lindros, the generational player. So injuries could play a role in that. Bedard will be by, I have no reason to think that Connor Bedard will not be the cover child, the cover face of video games, 
will not be on the cover if we still have magazines in five to 10 years from now on, on uh, pools, uh, what do you call them, draft guides and things like that. Um, you know, you just saw the way they toted him around yesterday. They, you know, this kid has been front and center on everything that has to do with the NHL. So, yeah, he he will be that tier, um, should be that tier, you know, barring injuries, barring major setback. Yeah. Going back to a couple more Flames questions here to round it out. Uh, last year, Markstrom gave up sure. a lot of goals on the first shot of the game. If that happens tonight again, how worried are you? Very worried. Um, I was worried on Friday in Vancouver. Um, think of it like the yips. Think of it. Um, if you're like, I'm a really bad golfer, right? Like golf and I decided many, many years ago that we would see other sports and, you know, we're friendly, but we don't talk. Um, but I can tell you that I had whatever the thing is that goes to the left, if it's a slice of the hook or whatever, always had that, always will have that went and saw, you know, took lessons, had a great golf coach out at uh, Jamie out at uh, Speargrass worked and worked and worked his ass off, but I could not help but picking up a driver and hitting, you know, to the left or whatever it is, the slice. And it was because I knew it. I, I could think about it. I, I just, or that's all I thought about. I should say, I worry post you know, last season that that became such a thing. Oh no, here we go. We're playing from behind again. Oh no. And you don't want to let your teammates down and you do not want everybody, you know, kind of, if you ever sat on a hockey bench, and I'm assuming most have, and if you've ever just come off a shift and you're doubled over, you can hide your eye line, Right. Your eye line can drop below the boards and you don't have to look. I just have this image of the whole team's eye line being right at the boards. Can we look? Oh, what happened? What happened? Oh, it went in. Ah, damn it. Here we go. The fact that this question got asked leads me to believe that there will be people at the dome tonight who will be holding their collective breath when Winnipeg gets the puck and comes across the blue line early in the game. If he stops the first shot tonight, that doesn't solve it. But if he lets it in, man, that's going to be hard to put that toothpaste back in the tube. It really, really is. And, and then he's got to deal with it. And I'm, you know, all this attention on Huberto this summer and all this attention, you know, a lot of talk about Markstrom and, you know, becoming a father and, and things like that. My guess is he worked really hard on the mental side of all of this stuff. Um, but man, if you get the yips, anybody who's ever had the yips, if you know what I'm talking about, if you're a fly fisherman and you couldn't get that, you can't get that cast over. If you're a golf is the easy one, but um, you know, or, or you, you go to throw a football and, and it slips out of your hand and you can't throw a perfect spiral, whatever. Once you start thinking about stuff, thinking hurts the ball club. As, as soon as it's in your mind and you're thinking about it and the worst becomes when everybody else is thinking about it your teammates, the fans, and it starts happening again. I go back to the 10 things I think, I think, I think. Dude needs to pitch some shutouts early. Needs to get his groove back, needs to get his confidence back, needs to win his fans back, needs to win his teammates back. I don't think his teammates are that. I don't think he probably doesn't need to win his teammates back, but he definitely needs to win part of the fan base back for sure, just based on the question.
Last one for you here. Are the Flames built to come back from behind in games? Wow. Are they built? That leads me to believe this is a question about mental toughness. Um, do I believe they can score goals? Yes. Do I believe they can outscore opponents? Yes. Um, boy, they didn't do a good job of it last year. Boy, that, and then Friday, Friday looked a lot like last year. They had lots of time. They had two periods to get that game back within one, not even tied. Let's just say get back. They couldn't do it. They couldn't get that game back within one. Is Does this team have the mental toughness? I believe the captain does. I believe Backlund does. From what I understand, the way he stood up for his teammates, you know, the way he, I believe he can, Anderson can. Um, Huberto, show us. Kadri, we've seen it. Um, you know, Manji Pani, are you healthy? This is, goes back to the Dubé question from a little while ago. Why is Dubé on the top line? What about Walker Dewar? What about AJ Greer? What about Ruzicka? Um, you know, the mental toughness of this team, the coach, all smiles, great answers, engaging. How do you hold the team accountable? To the point that was made on the previous question, if you fall behind one nothing, 60 seconds into this game, and 59 minutes into the game, it's still one nothing. Are you still pushing? Or have or in your mind, do you believe that that ship sailed after the second intermission? And I, there were many people who my listen, I I think I'm, you know, if you watch, listen to this or watch the stream or whatever, you know where I sit on Daryl. Daryl was part of the problem last year, but he wasn't the only problem. Daryl's problem was he couldn't communicate with his team. And that's okay, but part of the responsibility is the team's got to get the message too. You are a professional. Um, I have worked for people that, uh, you know, I have bosses. I've had bosses that I just look at them like, are you serious? Like, what? You know, we talked about Rock at Ross Atkins before. I've worked for people who were dumpster fires as leaders. Couldn't lead a two-car parade. Um, but part, part of it is I have a responsibility to be professional. I have the responsibility to do the right thing. I have the right the responsibility to make the right choices in life. I don't think I've done that enough. So where's the accountability that I have? Flames are down by a goal late in the game. They have to show that they've got the mental toughness to come back. They cannot go quietly into the night. This team, this organization, um, when I did games on Sportsnet, I saw it at its worst. I saw it at its worst. And there's guys on that team that I love and I would do anything for and I thought the world of, and you know, I thought they're good human beings, but they were too content to go quietly into the night. I go back to the 10 things I think, I think, I think. This has to be, has to be a tough team to play against. If you're down by one, then they better know that you're not happy. There better be snot all over them, spittle all over them. There better be welts all over them. They're be right up to that line of, of decency and, and, and fair play and all those sort of things. So I guess I'm spitting a bit on the question. 
do they have the ability to come back? Yeah, they have the ability to come back. Skill is not the issue. It's intestinal fortitude, and it's how quickly, how quickly can this team absorb a headshot or a body blow and not crumple? That that's we're going to find that out. They're going to go on a long road trip. They're at home tonight against a Canadian opponent who's feeling really good about themselves. They just got two of their biggest stars back. Um, I I don't remember a preseason which started and finished like this one. And it was against the same opponent. My God, they could do nothing wrong. They just blew out the Abbotsford Canucks 10-0. Holy cow, let's play today. And then last Friday, thank God that the world needs to see the Vancouver Canucks. So we got to see on television. That's the only way, because it was a Canucks. And it just reeked of 22-23. And that's... That scares the wrong word. Does it scare me? No, it doesn't scare me. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, you can't play that way. So, yeah. Can they? Yes, they could come back. Do they have the intestinal fortitude? I think we're all waiting to see that. Okay, Rob, before we move on, uh, I know this is your favorite part of the show. Prediction for tonight's game. I'm putting my life savings on this. So Yes! <laughs> Let's go. You're putting your life savings on this. Okay, so Joe Burrow, well, um, you know what? They finally got off the schneid. Uh, I saw this stat today that they, they're tied for one of the longest season opening losing streaks in the history of the NHL. Uh, they snapped it last year. I, I just think, I think they win tonight. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, but I will go um, and suggest that this will be a 4-2 Calgary win to start the season. Um, and then we'll see what happens from there. Um, there had better be a lot of energy in that room. There had better be a lot of pent-up aggression. There had better be a lot of playing um, guilty tonight. And and if they do, they'll win this game. Does that help? Yeah, I'm thinking the same way. If they're not fired up for this one, then it's going to be a long season. So I got the Flames winning as well. You know, to that end, Jack, it's, uh, I know everybody's attention was on Bedard, but it was hard not to look at Pittsburgh last night and go, uh-oh, uh-oh. Like, yeah. I know it's one game. Don't get me wrong. And, and I've seen that movie before. I have. But holy crap. Like... You know, you just gunned the general manager and Brian Burke. Hextall and Burke got run out of there because they committed to keeping the band back together. And then you brought in the wonder kid who was never going to go any other organization until 10 days later. He left Toronto, went to Pittsburgh. And that's OK. I get that. That's fine. I'm just having a little fun to do this as an expense. But they bring in Eric Carlson. What did he do last night? Jack squat. Um, it's one game. But holy cow, if that's what we see at the Dome tonight, Friday is going to be an interesting show, dude. Friday will be an interesting show. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, we should give a little love to Afterburner. Afterburner tonight, right? Yeah, Afterburner tonight. I believe we'll be live from the Greta Bar right after the game, uh, if everything goes well. So, yeah, look forward to that. <laughs> and if it doesn't it'll still go from there we should mention that <laughs> i believe there's still tickets available and still space available at uh at the greta bar tonight to uh, for the home opener right 
Yeah, I believe there's still about 50 open spots. Go to nationgear.ca slash events, $20. Um, lots of great prizes, and it's going to be lots of fun. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, let's get into the final mile. Uh, geez, Rob, you've lost your edge. We've gone uh, damn near uh, an hour and 40 minutes, and you haven't brought up Pride Tape yet. Ah, but now I'm going to. Um, this story is is... Again, this isn't ranting anymore. Like, I ranted when they took the jerseys away. I lost my shit for, pardon me, Ty Elliott Porter. Uh, I lost my crap. I did. I, um, it, so instead of hockey's for everyone, yeah, we'll just take a pass on the, the pride stuff and the other stuff. Hey, we can't do pride. We can't do the other stuff. Uh, so we just won't do it. Um, why, why would you do that? Ah, well, we know why they didn't do it. We'll get to that in a second. Um, let's start with pride tape, pride tape, by the way. Um, I, I, I met Jeff, who's one of the guys behind pride tape. He's up in Edmonton. Uh, pride tape put out a statement, um, a couple of days ago. So So for those who don't know, the national hockey league has said, nope, uh, we're not allowing, uh, expression of causes and and it's, you can do anything you want off the ice, but on the ice. And part of that is pride tape. Now, in fairness, quality tape. I think it was always used as a, a warm up tape and that sort of thing. Um, you know, and they and pride tape put out uh, a statement here a day ago. Um, this it, it's the platform, right? It was always about the platform. Now, since this whole, you know, the NHL can't get out of its own way crap, uh, lots of people have reached out to Pride Tape. Um, I want to be really, really clear on this and very clear on this. I know people who work at the NHL. I know people who work with the clubs. This is not them. This is not them. It affects them, but this should not reflect upon the staff, the people who work in the departments um, that are connected to growing and outreach uh, to hockey's for everyone that put on these programs that put on the the mobile museums and things like this is a handful of owners who got really, really nervous. I'm going to screw around on here, Jack. So get ready. Let's throw uh, Salim's tweet up from TSN yesterday, uh, if you don't mind, because I'll go there next. Um, this all comes back. You remember last year we had the teams say, oh, well, we're not going to do Pride Night. And then it became Russians, right? Oh, they're worried about Putin. It's it's all about this. Fab, this was interesting. Uh, Salim uh, put this on his Twitter yesterday. Got this back from Bill Daly. The Players Association was consulted on the specifics of our new policy and indicated its support for the memo that was sent out last week. Surprisingly, I went and looked at the NHLPA. The NHLPA has not commented on this. Um, but I do believe that quietly and tacitly they have attached their permission to this because of certain players and certain agents. Mark Stahl, let's call it for what it was. Mark Stahl, I've never worn this. Oh, but here's this picture. Or I've never promoted, you know, I don't want to promote that lifestyle. Yeah, but here's a picture of you doing it in Montreal. You were in, oh, no, I've never worn the jersey. Yeah, but yeah, but you did. You're a liar. That's what you are. You're a liar, Stahl. You're a liar. Okay. This has never, ever been about promoting uh, a lifestyle or recruitment or anything like this. This has been always about saying you're welcome in hockey. 
Heroes Hockey, which I have all the time um, for, put out a great post today. And it's not new. They didn't invent it, but it's a good reminder. Diversity is when you're invited to the team. Inclusion is when you're asked to play. And Hockey's for Everyone is supposed to be an inclusion program. You Can Play is probably one of the biggest voices in this sector. They they said it best, well, second best, actually, until today. Uh, you Can Play put out a, a, a post yesterday about this and, and called, the, called the NHL out on its hypocrisy, and, and, and as they should. Uh, it's now clear that the NHL is stepping back from its longstanding commitment to inclusion and continuing to an- unravel uh, all of its one-time industry-leading work in the LGBT community, um, which is true. The NHL was way ahead of other leagues on this stuff, but now has decided that a couple of uncomfortable, I call them delicate geniuses. I, I just, it's a George Costanza line from Seinfeld, um, delicate geniuses. I, 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 we coddle these NHL players. We coddle these million-dollar baseball athletes. We coddle these players um, as if there's some sort of secret commodity that, has to be kept safe from humanity. They're not. They're human beings flawed just like you and I. There's lots of good ones. There's a handful of bad ones. I thought the real um, statement of record today came from the former president of hockey operations for the Calgary Flames, friend of this program, and the man behind Brian Burke's targets for kids for Calgary Kids Sport and the Flames Sports Bank. Brian Burke, uh, his comments today, um, it it should come as a wake-up call I think a lot of, of, you know, statements like this from you can play, but when Brian does it, he's going to get the attention of, of the league. And he, he did not mince words. He called it out for what it is. Um, It's a slap in the face. It's ridiculous. So if it feels like Jack, you just want to put up Berkey for a sec here. Cause there is one line in there. I kind of want to make mention of, um, that uh, I thought was important in all of this. Um, and this came out from Brian Burke today. Um, I just let it get up there. I should have wrote it down, but, um, and obviously this is very close to the Burke family for reasons we all know that he, he lost his son in a car accident. He came out and Brian has been there. He's marched in pride parades. He, he, I am deeply disappointed by the NHL's decision to ban on-ice support for community causes. I worked in a variety of NHL markets over the years, over 35 years, and have always made it a priority for my teams to commit substantial time, energy, and resources to engage with and support local organizations and causes. It has been one of the great joys and responsibilities of my life to see the positive impact hockey can have on the community. That is fact. That is fact. Talk to people here in Calgary about the requirement of working for Brian Burke. Talk to Brad True Living about the requirements for working with Brian Burke. Talk to Craig Conroy about the... Now, both of those guys already invest in the community. They're fine to do it. But he talks the talk and he walks the walk. Make no mistake, this is a surprising and serious setback. I have spoken to many who are heartbroken, angry, and disappointed by this decision. If you're a member of these communities who has been celebrated in the past uh, hockey with Hockey is for Everyone initiatives, please know that you are still a valued member of our hockey community. The Pride Tape is here for a reason. 
Um, and I'm not going to lose my crap this time because it, players um, that don't want to get their hands dirty. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and justify it. Um, if, if I go to a Roman Catholic church and take in a service, I sit in the, the pews, I, I read the, the scriptures, I listen, but I'm not Roman Catholic. But I can be respectful. When I go out to First Nations communities and I sit and listen to elders, talk about the creator, participate in their prayers, I'm being respectful. I'm, that's all I'm doing. All we're trying to do is say, let's be respectful of these communities. This one is particularly important. All of them are important. This one's important for this reason. We are living in the middle of a mental health crisis. Let's talk about Calgary. On any given day, you can go to the children's hospital and there will be a backlog, a backlog of young teenagers who are in there um, with mental health issues. Some of them, not all of them, some of them are based on identity. Some of them are based on wanting to be their true selves. But living in a society who says, you don't matter. As a matter of fact, I don't believe in your right to exist. Put your, put it, that's the reality of it. Every time we do a pride night, or we show this tape, we're saying, you're welcome here. You're included here. I don't give a tinker's damn if an NHL player ever has this tape on their stick again. Where I care is Hockey Calgary, Ringette Calgary, Girls Hockey, Hockey Alberta, Alberta Lacrosse, Anywhere that we can find a place for this tape to go on the stick, the clipboard, the wrist of a coach on that staff. This needs to be an indicator to a young child who might be struggling with identity that somebody there is an ally, that somebody there is not to crush them. It's not a debate about the lifestyle. It's not a debate about recruiting. It's not a debate about anything. It's about making sure people feel comfortable, feel welcome, feel like they can be part of a team. If you're a coach, buy some, put it on your stick, put it on your clipboard, put it on your hat, but put it somewhere where somebody can see it. And if they're struggling, if they have questions, if they don't know, they see it and they know this person will not judge me. This person will take care of me. This is mental health and safety. The NHL owners, agents, and a handful of players, Mark Stahl and others, don't want it. Don't want to be associated with it. I don't promote that lifestyle. Cool. That's cool. Sure. But by turning a blind eye to it or by ignoring it or by saying, I don't support it or whatever, somewhere somebody's going to hear that is, I don't count. My life doesn't matter. 
It's reality. So here we are. I'm excited. I'm excited by the outpouring of support. I'm support. I'm I'm loving the fact that it's coming from all corners. Is it for everybody? Nope. This I know to be true because I've been in the game long enough. The people that need to hear this won't hear this. The people who are the problem think they're the solution. There has never been an issue that I have seen in hockey that has been raised from the outside that the inside doesn't go, oh, that's true. Maybe we should, oh, oh. The inside always says, well, they don't know. They're just trying to get, it's the media. The media is trying to get us. The media. The media is making this a big story. Damn right we're making it a big story. You should be accountable. Is hockey for everyone? Nope. Are there people in the NHL offices who fight every single day to make NHL for everyone? You bet your ass there is. Same thing with the teams. I know them. I know them by name. To call them on my phone right now, embarrassed that this has happened. So we got two choices. Roll over and play dead, or we continue to be allies. I choose to be an ally. I choose to continue to go into the community and promote the use of pride tape on coaches' sticks, on coaches' clipboards, on coaches' hats. I continue to go into the community and say hockey needs, it's not a, it's not a want, it's a need to be inclusive. And inclusive means you're on the team and playing and part of the team. Don't give a tinker's damn about the other stuff. That's twice I've used that. All right. Heavy, heavy show. So let's leave it on two good notes. Uh, how about this? Uh, our pal, our Bollingham, Matt Phillips in Washington, made the opening day roster. He's going to wear number 45. Looks like he's going to play on the third line. Uh, they love him in Washington. All, it didn't hurt that his coach, Mitch Love, was there. Uh, but Matty Phillips, and this, I love this picture. There you go. Pushing the practice box. That's how you stay humble. That's how you stay hungry. Pushing the practice box. I love this kid. He's like, I, it, this has nothing to do with the Flames anymore. Like, I get it. I understand how the world works. Yeah, they missed that. Matty Phillips is made the opening day roster. He has not he has not played enough to get a pension yet. He may not be an NHLer, but he's being given an opportunity because he earned it. And I'm happy for him. He's a nice kid. He's a good kid. He's a hell of a hockey player. But he doesn't fit the norm in some people's eyes. So kudos to the Washington Capitals and kudos to Matty Phillips for getting this done. Last, certainly not least, um, Curtis McElhaney. This one might have slipped through the 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 uh, this one this one might have just slipped through the cracks on people. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs Brad Treliving announcing um, some uh, hirings this week, and and Curtis McElhaney is their new goaltending guru, and I'm really happy for Curtis. Um, you know, he, there was uh, director of goaltending development and scouting. So Trees had quite an impact on the goaltending uh, coaching fraternity and how it's viewed in organizations. So Curtis McElhaney gets it. Drafted by the Flames, played with Brent Cron down in Omaha, I believe, was an American Hockey League all-star, backed up Mika Kippersoff, maybe the most impossible job in the whole world. Um, to this day, <coughs> none of this is supposed to be personal. And you're not supposed to 
like guys more than other guys. But I'll say this. To this day, I have never forgiven Mike Keenan. Never forgiven Mike Keenan. Calgary played in Montreal. Um, tough game against the Canadians. Got in the plane. Snow came. Didn't get off the ground until 5 in the morning. Flew into Detroit. Got in there 7 or whatever it was in the morning. Played that night. Kipper played in Montreal. McElhaney got the, the night off. This is against the good, you know, Datsuk, Zetterberg, Samuelson, you know, uh, the, the really good, um, might even have been uh, Hassock um, Red Wings. I can't remember, but the good Red Wings. And every time you went into Detroit, the Red Wings always got five on threes. They just did. Um, Calgary kept it tied in overtime, four on four overtime. Todd Bertuzzi goes for a big skate, coughs up the puck at the blue line, and Detroit scores, wins the game 4-3. And after the game, Mike Keenan threw Curtis McElhaney under the bus. Goalie's got to make a save. He's paid to make saves. He didn't make a save when it mattered the most. Um, he's one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. Uh, he's a Calgary kid, was proud to be a Calgary kid, always popped into the hot stove lounge when he came in and, and waved and said hi. Uh, talked to him a little bit in the offseason at times. Uh, just so he's a Stanley Cup champion. He is a winner. And I'm just so happy for Curtis McElhaney. And I wanted to leave it there. So there you go. Somehow we cobbled together a two-hour podcast through all of this. Um, we laughed. We cried. Uh, we gave you 10 things that I think I think. But if you count them, you will not find 10. And you know why. You know why. Friday, Eric Dehatchuk is back in. Uh, we will sit down with the athletics Dehatchuk. Lots to talk about with him. Uh, looking forward to that. By then, we'll have a, a little bit clearer picture on the Calgary Flames and whether the sky is falling or we're planning the parade route. One or the other will happen. You know that. Cannot do the show without Jack, uh, our outstanding producer. Uh, he just he takes glorious care of me and makes this look way better than I deserve. So thank you, Jack, for that. Thanks to Carla McLeod, the head coach of Ottawa in the uh, Professional Women's Hockey League, the unnamed, I think, Fighting Squirrels would work. Uh, and other than that, get yourself a roll of this. Put it on your stick. Let everybody know that you're there an ally. And you'll always be a, a supportive shoulder for somebody if they need it. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the start of the flame season. Get out to the Greta bar tonight and uh, join the barn burner guys. I got a little bit of work to do up North and I'll see you back in the studio on Friday. Have a great day, everybody. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.